Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. The series is all about discovering our identity in Christ. That's what the Christian life is about. The Christian life isn't about a set of rules. The Christian life isn't about who's the holiest Christian among all of us, who's doing the most good deeds. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is about discovering the Spirit of God inside of us and even living through us. And that is what Ephesians is about. Chapter 1 to 3, identity in Christ, in Him. This is who we are in Christ. Chapter 4 to 6 is talking about, okay, in light of that, this is how we get to live. This is how we get to do life. This is how we get to build family, be community to one another. So let's jump into chapter 2 this morning from verse 14. Verse 14 to 18 from the King James says, For he is our hope, talking about Jesus, or he is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God and one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you who were far off, and to them that were nigh. Now, this, um, so we see this chapter four, uh, verse 14 and verse 17, this, this, this picture of peace. He is our peace. He came to preach peace. Now, the awesome thing with this, and in context here, it's talking about two, two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, if you don't know what a Jew is, if you don't know what a Gentile is, it's basically the whole world is, is uh, broken up in two groups. Or today, it's three groups. It's the Jew, it's the Gentile. A Gentile is an unbeliever, and then it's the Christian. Okay? So it's Jew, it's unbeliever, and it's Christian. Now, you get Jewish Christians... But then you get Jewish Jews who haven't believed on Jesus Christ, who haven't believed on Jesus Christ as the Son of God who came to die for the sins of the world and uh, His Spirit living in man. Okay, so in context here, it's talking about two groups of people. And there's a peace that Jesus brought for these two groups of people. It's talking about the, the, the middle wall of partition that has been broken down. Now, this middle wall of partition is also between us and God, man and God. There's a way for us to have now boldness and freedom to experience God's presence. There's, a, there's, a, there's no more separation between God and man. That is the enmity. The word enmity is talking about hostility. It's talking about opposition. It's talking about being indifferent. Now, Romans 5 verse 8 talks about that while we were still sinners, Christ came to die for us. Some translation says, while we were still enemies of God, Jesus Christ came to die for us. Now that is the picture of hostility. Sin separated man from God. Without, uh, with sin being a problem, God couldn't have perfect fellowship with man. So this is the enmity that Jesus also came to deal with. But on top of that, there were a lot of things that says here, the law of commandments contained in ordinances. On top of that, the Jewish nation, the Jewish people, there were a lot of things, ordinances, uh, um, rituals and things that was part of the law that they were partaking of that created a huge divide between them and everyone else. Even with the temple, there were certain places that the Jews even uh, could enter into and not enter into based on 
uh, whether they were the, 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 the priests and things like that, even for the Gentiles, there was a section that they could uh, be in, but they couldn't go further because they weren't Jews. Now, Jesus came to deal with all of that. That is awesome. That is a, and if we don't come to realize this and this, this, this is such a powerful message because there's a lot of things that are still even today separating Christians among Christians. The Jews had their problems with the unbelievers and the, 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 the ordinances and the rituals that set them apart from, made them feel like they were a better group of people than those people. And there was symbolic significance in those things. Circumcision, for example. It was part of the covenant that the Jews were part of, a symbolism of that. But today we see in Romans chapter 6 that that picture of circumcision that was made in the flesh has now become a circumcision that is made without hands, a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of the old spirit completely gone and the new that has come. And that is something that we need to grab hold of because Jesus didn't add the Gentiles to the Jewish nation with all of their rituals and ordinances that was linked to the law. Jesus didn't take the Jews and added them to the group of Gentiles with all of their nothing and like, he created a new group of people, a completely new group of people. He established a completely new covenant. Jew and non-Jew need to all still respond to the gospel of peace. That's why Jesus is saying, yeah, and I came to uh, preach peace to you who were far off Gentiles and to those who were near. We are no longer far off or near. We are in Christ. It changes everything. It's not about being far off. It's not about being near. In Christ, we are as close to God as we'll ever be. Regardless of your current lifestyle, regardless of how holy you're living or how unholy you're living, in Christ, all have been, uh, 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 everyone's sin has been acquitted. Everyone's sin has been paid for past, present, and future ten sins, and you've received a new spirit, the spirit of Christ himself living inside of you, and that now is your identity. That is now the, 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 the place where you're relating to God from. Your new born again identity. But it's so important for us as the, these, these things created such a divide between the Jews and the Gentiles. Firstly, they, 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 they covenant of we are God's chosen people. But then within that, there were all of the other things. Like Jesus saying, yeah, the the, the the, the law of commandments and the ordinances in them. The law of commandments contained in the ordinances even as well. Now, let's carry on reading. I'll come back to that in a moment. We see Peter experiencing something similar. He, he kind of gets his revelation. In Acts chapter 10. Let's go to Acts chapter 10, verse 10 to 16. I'm going to skip a few verses. We're going to look at uh, 10 to 16, then 25 to 28, and then jump down to 44. So 10 to 16. And it says, and he became very hungry, talking about Peter, and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him. And it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down unto the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, no, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spoke unto him again and the second time. What God has cleansed, that call not thou, un, uh, or thou common. Or basically in a, a more understanding language, do not call unclean which I have called clean. Do 
Do not call unclean. Do not see unclean that which I've made clean. Verse 16. This was done three times and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Then, so Peter has this encounter, this, 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 this trance, this vision, where all of these things, those types of food were things that the Jews wouldn't or weren't uh, able to partake of because of the law. Okay, so a lot of what we're talking about now, what Jesus came to restore, what, or what Jesus came to deal with, that middle wall of partition, that separation, this is what Peter is experiencing here. He's having a, a light bulb moment. So this is what God is telling him. Do not call unclean that which I have made clean. And then Peter's called to go and minister to a Gentile group of people, an unbelieving group or non-Jewish group of people. Verse 25, when we see uh, this, this, this play out. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up saying, stand up, I myself am also just a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were there together. And he said unto them, you know that it is unlawful for me, a man that is a Jew, to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God has showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Or God has revealed to me that I should not call unclean that which he has made clean. This is Peter, Acts chapter 10. The same Peter who preached on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got born again. Imagine that. that you, you would think that this guy's ministry has already taken off. Who's ever had a ministry where uh, you preach the gospel, 3,000 people got born again? Anyone in the room? Then we want to really just draw you closer and have you uh, mobilized. <laughs> um, that's awesome. And then a few chapters later into Peter's ministry, into his life, yes, this encounter. You would have thought that he graduated from the school of stupidity. He graduated from, okay, cool, this is, this is the perfect will of God, that all men be saved and all men come to repentance. And why I'm sharing this with you guys is because clearly in the book of Acts, there's progression of revelation. Peter came to realize something here that he didn't know in Acts chapter 2. There's progression of revelation in the book of Acts. That's why we call it an historic book, which Luke recorded as eyewitness accounts of what was happening. There was a Jewish group of people, and there was the unbelieving group of people, the Gentiles. And Jesus came to redeem, to save both, and to deal with the middle wall of separation. And then a church was born, the church of Acts. So you've got these two groups of people who are trying to now to figure out, okay, cool. What is the gospel actually? Is it a little bit of the Jewish customs and ordinances? Is it none of it? Is it a little bit of the Gentile kind of traditions and the idols and things like that? Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians. And so it's a whole bunch of crazy that is happening. People figuring out, okay, what is the reality of Christianity actually? What did Jesus actually come and do? Jump down to verse 44, Acts chapter 10, and it says, while Peter yet spake these words, so he ministered the gospel to them, he says, And the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who were of the circumcision, talking about Jew, Jews again, and those who were of the circumcision were astonished, because here what is happening, it's a, it's a, it's a manifestation of, of God's promise and his hope for all men, Jew, non-Jew, circumcised, non-circumcised, 
for all men to receive the Spirit of God living in man. And only by that do we get to experience peace with one another. Only by magnifying that one thing do we get to experience peace and unity with one another. The unity that we share in the Spirit, the Spirit of God living in man. Jesus came to, to radically change everything. In Matthew chapter 5, um, we see this picture in, in verse 13. It says that this must be done so that all righteousness might be fulfilled. What, is, what does it mean if something is fulfilled? It's done. It's complete. Jesus also last words on the cross. It is finished. He came to fulfill. He came to complete. So a lot of things that Jesus did, he did under the law to finish the law, to complete the law. Galatians chapter 3, verse, uh, let's go to verse 27. Galatians 3, 27 to 29. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, into spiritual union and communion with Christ, that's talking about our born-again baptism. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union and communion with Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, have put on, clothed yourselves with Christ. There is now no distinction, neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, you are in Him, who is Abraham's seed, and then they, uh, or then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs according to promise. So here Paul is taking a little bit further. He said, like, guys, there's no partition. There's no separation. So this is a question we have to ask ourselves. If something brings a divide, if something brings a, a partition, a wall of this camp and that camp, should it be part of the, the body of Christ? Because we see clearly that Jesus came to deal with something, with the wall of partition that was between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now we see a lot of things that the early church in, for example, Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 16 even, um, we see the picture of, them having a leaders meeting asking, is circumcision, should it be part of the church? Should it be part of the Christian faith? And they've graduated from that now. So circumcision is no longer a problem for us. Praise God. All of the guys said amen. Um, so circumcision is no longer something that we need to talk, talk about and have a debate, have a discussion. Should we have it? Shouldn't we have it? Now, why I'm bringing this up is because we need to understand that if there's something that brings a divide, Jesus came to deal with that divide. So if something is dividing, we need to ask, should it be there at all? Think about that. We're not going to get into that this morning. Let's continue on with the passage. Ephesians chapter 4. So Paul just addressed a few other things, like I said. Um, male, female, Greek, Jew, slave, free. And we see this throughout the book. And some people think Paul endorsed slavery. He didn't endorse slavery. There are certain things, this is the amazing thing. Jesus, what he came to do, he actually came in a way that the Jews didn't expect. That's why some of the Jews still don't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Because they think he's going to be this guy who's going to come and overthrow things by force. And Jesus didn't come. He actually came to die. That doesn't seem like the, the reigning king, right? Like the victorious king. But if you understand what that means, man... It is something that we are celebrating and the church is still celebrating today. And many churches are celebrating a victory that Satan can't come and rob from us or steal from us. 
So he's addressing some other things, cultural things, slaves or free. We see this in, uh, it's a beautiful letter, the letter of uh, Philemon or Philemon, however you want to say it, is uh, a, a letter that Paul is writing, and he's writing to a guy who had a slave called Onesimus. And Onesimus got born again. And so then Paul addresses, and he's writing to, to uh, Philemon, he says, hey, like when you receive Onesimus back, don't receive him as a slave. Receive him as a brother in Christ. Jesus came to radically change the way that we see each other. No longer after the flesh, 2 Corinthians 5.60. No longer after the flesh, but after the spirit. Not after the spirit and all of the ordinances that come with it. One thing, simple. Does the spirit of God dwell in you? Let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate that. Let's magnify that. Let's come to know the power of God inside of us and allow that to be unleashed in our lives. I'm just to read Ephesians uh, 2 verse 14 to 17 from the Amplified Classic quickly and then we'll go on in the chapter. For he himself, our peace, our bond of unity and harmony. It's only through the Spirit of God living in man that we can have a peace that this world cannot understand. Where male and female come together and there's a unity, there's a equality. Where women can stand up at this pulpit and preach the gospel without any man thinking, I can't receive from her. Like culture, it's maybe not something that we are challenged as much with. I know some generations, uh, some of the, all the folk in the room might be more challenged with that picture and that idea. But Paul said there's no difference between a male and a female, between a slave and a free. It doesn't matter what your social status is. It doesn't matter whether you're employed or whether you're unemployed. If the Spirit of God Almighty is living inside of you, you can advance and impact people's lives for all of eternity because of the Spirit of God inside of you. And you had uh, uh, being a, a, a custodian of that power, not for self-centered gain, but using the power and using what you've got to touch other people's lives. And this is what we need to come alive to. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are. If God's Spirit is living inside of you, you can impact your uh, sphere of influence. You can change people's lives. That is what this life is about. It's not about making a lot of money, even though that would be cool to have a lot of money. But one day, all of that money is going to mean nothing. One day, all of your Olympic gold medals is going to mean nothing. Just using that because the Olympics are happening now. And maybe some of you got some Olympic dreams. It's awesome. Like your vehicle and your dreams need to be folded through the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he came to do for us. Because a lot of the body of Christ has cheapened what Jesus came to do. Because we're like, okay, cool, I receive the Spirit of God. I'm going to go to heaven, so praise Jesus for that. My sin is no longer being held against me. And then you're like, you just carry on like the rest of the world. We can't live the same as the unbelievers living. We can't build the same kingdoms as the unbelievers are building. There's something wrong with that. And we need to come alive to this. We need to wake up. Because God has done everything that He's wanted to do. I'm preaching to myself as well, guys. Don't think I'm preaching at you. I'm preaching together here. The Spirit of God is ministering to us together. What Jesus came to do radically changed everything. And God has done His part. We're not asking God to do anything more. 
We need to wake up. That is revival. Revival is people waking up to the reality of who God is and who they are. That is what ushers in revival. Not God choosing a specific season, a specific temperature, a specific group of people. No. God chose Saul. David wasn't God's first choice. Imagine that. There were many others where they weren't the first choice. But they were someone that said, okay, I'm ready. Are you ready to put up your hand? God is calling you, each one of you, to be a partaker of what He wants to establish you on earth. For all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And that knowledge of the truth is Christ inside of us. That is the promise. That is the promise that God made to Abraham that is revealed through Jesus and now is something we are enjoying. And that is a unity. There's a unity and a, a, a harmony that we can share in that. I'm going to skip uh, the rest of the, this, this, this passage from the Amplified. We looked at it in the King James. We're going to jump down to verse 18 from the Amplified. And it says, For it is through Him, talking about Jesus, that we both, that is the Jews and the Greeks, or the Jews and the Gentiles, the unbelievers, and it's through Him that we both, whether far off or near, now have an introduction or access by one Holy Spirit to the Father, so that we are able to approach Him. Therefore, you are no longer outsiders. In light of this, in light of what we've talked about, the Spirit of God in us, in man, we are no longer outsiders, exiles, migrants, aliens, excluded from the rights of citizens. But you now share citizenship with the saints, God's own holy, consecrated, set-apart people for Himself, and you belong to God's own household. There was a time where this was not a reality between the Jews and the Gentiles specifically. Gentiles were exiles. They didn't have rights of citizenships. And there were times, obviously, in our country and in other countries where certain groups of people had rights, certain groups of people didn't have rights. How did that happen? Because the Spirit of God maybe was in men, but men weren't yielding to that spirit, weren't inclining their ears to that spirit. And still today, there are people who are, are, are coming to that realization and that revelation. They're embracing and it's ushering in freedom. It's ushering unity. But still today, if you, man, just because you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you doesn't mean that you're just going to, by default, um, just do nice things. Just be this nice person who just always says the right things, just never has a, has a down day or anything like that. I'm not giving an excuse for having down days or having um, bad days and uh, having a, a, a temper tantrum and things like this. I'm not making excuses for those things. But there's a reality that one, uh, one third of us is perfectly Holy Spirit, Spirit of God living in, inside of us. Two thirds are being renewed to this reality. Two-thirds, our, our, our soul, our mind, our, our will, our intellect needs to come to be transformed by renewing our minds. And then that's going to change the way we act, the, the way we do things, the way we see people. So these are still things that are, that's being unfolding, but it starts off with the Spirit of God living inside of man, and then by that, to change the way we see each other, to no longer look at each other according to the flesh, according to the natural. And like I said, there's still things within the body of Christ that, that is separating people. You have that group of people, you have that group of people, you have that group of people. Because again, what is human nature? What is our inclination? 
to magnify our indifferences, not to magnify the similarities. And I really, I, I, I believe and I, and I pray that the church of God, the body of Christ will come to, to a place where we are magnifying the one thing that we have in common. And by magnifying that one thing, all of the other things will just fade away to the degree that it's, like, it's not even a, a topic. Because imagine an unbelieving world looking at the, the church of God and how many things separate us, how many things are different about us. And I'm not saying us as Grace Life is with the, with the It Club and we've arrived to everything that, that God wants us to do and has purpose for us, not at all. But there's def definitely something that we're seeing about the one thing, the Spirit of God in man, that one promise that Jesus came to fulfill for us. And that what that means for us today, there's a fruitfulness that I believe that we're going to experience as a church here at Grace Life Tigerberg but then also I believe the church worldwide will start to experience as we start to magnify the one thing, the Spirit of God living in man and that empowering that's available to us and all of us being partakers of this. It doesn't matter your age, color of your skin, how rich you are, how poor you are, but that every saint, every believer with the Spirit of God inside of them is empowered to do exceedingly, abundantly, above that we can ask or think or imagine because there's a power at work in us. It's not God needing to do anything. He's done it. He's given you the empowering. Jesus said all authority, not some authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go you therefore and preach the gospel. Make known my gospel to all the world. What is the gospel? It's simple. Forgiveness of sins, justification unto righteousness. It's simple. You are forgiven. You've got an open access to receive the Spirit of God. Enjoy it. It's awesome. The picture of Father uh, illustrated in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11 to, to 12. It says, so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them. That's all of us. Brothers and sisters, for he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I'll praise you among your assembled people. Jesus is the one who makes us holy and we have the same father. It seems like just nice words. It seems like it's not just nice words. It's, 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 this is God's heart for us to see him as father. You see Jesus as our brother. There's a, there's a, there's a quality, a unity that we need to start to see ourselves in. But unless, before you start seeing God as Father and your, your, your sonship in Him and the brotherhood that you share with Christ because of His Spirit living inside of you, if you don't start to see that, you won't be able to see that with your, 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 your relationships here on earth. We need to break down these, these walls even of the religiosity of man... I've been, I've done my Bible college and I've got my three degrees and, and this and that. And I've been a Christian for 30 years and man, I've done a few good things. I've, I've given a, a lot of money to the church. I've, I've prayed for a few people to be healed and a few people got saved. And man, I'm, I'm pretty cool. Like I've, I've, I've done it. And that, that bloke over there, like look at him. He's still, he's still smelling of alcohol and, I saw him uh, come out of the bottle store that day. Like, 
he needs to sort his life out. Like, and I, I fall into that trap sometimes where it's like a comparison, like self-righteousness that, that creeps in and like stirs in my heart. This is something that we need to just, just crucify. Just crucify that, that self-righteous religious thinking about because unless we start seeing one another according to the Spirit, we won't be able to receive from someone else coming up front here, sharing a word from God Almighty. Yes, maybe they haven't, didn't have the holiest of holy weeks. Maybe they, they rubbed you off the wrong way this, this past week at Life Group and something they said. Who cares? Do they have the Spirit of God inside of them or don't they? Can they hear God's voice or can't they? Jesus says they can. Are you going to disagree with Jesus? So if Jesus says they can hear his voice and they've got the Spirit of God inside of them, be ready to receive. Let's, let's stir one another into love and good works. Stop putting a whole bunch of hurdles in front of people before they can start doing the love and good works. Let's un, be, be unleashing of one another. Let's, let's, let's show each other how empowered we are because we've got the Spirit of God inside of us and then we can go and bear fruit and glorify our Father in heaven. In closing, Ephesians 2, 20 to 22, there was a whole lot that I could have maybe shared even on uh, verse 18 and 19, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to carry on and finish the chapter for us. Verse 20 to 22 says, You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. What is a cornerstone? A cornerstone is what, hold every, what holds everything together. Without a cornerstone, the house will be quite shaky, so to speak. Or if there is a shaking, it will tumble and fall apart. Jesus Christ, He is the chief cornerstone, and we build on Him. Even though it says here the we build upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, it's linking in and it's tying into them building on the chief cornerstone because Paul also talks about this in 1 Corinthians um, about Apollo's uh, water, but we all built upon the foundation, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the cornerstone that we built upon. And it's not just like a foundation that we lay and then, okay, cool, it's laid. Now we start doing other things. No. It's a, it's a, it's a metaphor, but sometimes we, we, we take metaphors so literal that we miss out on the significance of what the author is actually trying to say. Even if you look at the body of Christ, and I'm not going to open up the can of worms completely this morning. The body of Christ and the, the writings of Paul talking about different members. Then we fall into the trap of thinking, I cannot do that because I'm not a nose. I'm not the eyes. I'm not the ears. So I can't do that. Because we look at it so literally, but we don't see the purpose of the body in its entirety and what spirit is living in every one of those members? Whether you the nose, whether you the eyes, whether you the ears, do you have the same spirit? Is that same spirit the spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead? Or is it a, a spirit of the nose, a spirit of the ear, a spirit of the... Right? So, yes, there's a purpose for that. Like, there's different flavors maybe of expressing the, the healing power of God. There's different flavors of expressing a prophetic word that can radically change someone's life. But the purpose is still the same, to advance the kingdom of God and to have the Spirit of God manifest in accordance to what is the need. Is the need health and wholeness? Good stuff. 
Do you have the Spirit of God inside of you? Is it the answer to health and wholeness? Yes, it is. Let's lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I'm glad you guys are blessed. I'm blessed by it as well. Okay, chief cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined, bound, welded together harmoniously, and it continues to rise and grow, increase into a holy temple in the Lord. Um, in him and in fellowship with one another, it's again, in him. That's the series. That's what it's about. It's in him, coming to realize that we are in him, not just myself, but us together. We are in Christ, in him, and in fellowship with one another. There's a unity that we share because the Spirit of God inside of me is the Spirit of God inside of you and everyone else. There's nothing like that in the world than what we share as believers. In him, in a fellowship with one another, you yourselves are also being built up into the structure with the rest to form a fixed abode of God in the Spirit. A fixed abode. It doesn't change. God doesn't come and go. It's a fixed abode. You are God's address. His permanent address. He doesn't just come and have holiday in you. You are it. You are His address. For I will never leave you. No, never. I love, I think the Amplified Classic says it like this. One of those uh, uh, more uh, other translations. <laughs> um, I will never, no, never, ever, never. Like it's, it's, it emphasizes, I'll never leave you. I'll never let my grip on you go. That is God's promise. That's his spirit. You can let go of God, so to speak, but he'll never let go of you. His spirit will never leave you. That's a promise that we can hold dear to. And this is what, what Paul is writing about to this church. And there's, like, there's so much in this chapter and what we've been looking at this morning. There's a unity that we share. There's, there's a, a wall that Jesus came to break down so that we can have one thing in common and magnify that one thing. And it's the Spirit of God living inside of us. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter how long you've been a believer. It doesn't matter. All of those things don't matter. One thing matters. Do you have God's Spirit living inside of you, don't you? It's God's will for all men to be saved, to have the Spirit of God living in them, and all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. Because in the knowledge of the truth of this reality that we've got the Spirit of God inside of us, in the knowledge of that truth, there's going to be fruitfulness. There's going to be a fruitfulness that we won't be able to contain, that this world won't be able to resist. Let's desire to see that. Hebrews 8.13, last scripture. In that he says, a new covenant, he has made the first old. Now that which decays and wax old is ready to vanish away. The covenant that we have today isn't a covenant of rules and regulations. We have a covenant of promise, the Spirit of God living inside of man. Now let's awaken to that, embrace that, this new fully. Let's allow the old to wax away. Let's allow the old to fade away. Let's embrace the new, the Spirit of God living in man. Because Jesus didn't come to fix up something. He came to radically bring in something new. And so we no longer have a covenant, like I said, of, of rules, of regulations, keeping up with appearances. We have a covenant of promise. It's a spiritual covenant where God's Spirit is living inside of man, where all of us are equal. All of us are the same. God sees us as the same. We've got His Spirit living in us. Now let's awaken to that and have His Spirit live through us. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at
If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.